Welcome to Epiphany Fellowship's podcast, where our goal is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. We pray that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message and will allow the Word of God to dwell in you richly. Good morning. Welcome to Epiphany Fellowship Sunday morning uh, worship gathering. Um, if you're new here, my name is Eric Mason. I'm the founder and senior pastor here. Excited to have you with us and that you chose um, our stream to stream live today. Um, for those who are regular attenders and givers and uh, uh, members, check out our new website. It's live now. Great job that our team have do- has done on it and getting that up and running. There'll be updates regularly made on it. But one key change that you need to be aware of is one key change is the fact that our giving tabs have changed. And so you need to go back in there if you were under the old system and put your information back in so that we can continue uh, to grow and develop and show off the glory of Christ in every area of life as you honor the Lord with your wealth. Well, we are still in our series uh, and our series has been on undefeated, God being undefeated. It is a beautiful thing in our lives to recognize that he's been undefeated. But today, within our series, we will be in 1 Samuel 30, if you don't, turn, if you don't mind turning there. Now, I know some of y'all have been concerned. I'll cough, and I'll, y'all know I do that all the time. Y'all say, he got corona in the pulpit. Like, y'all, I, y'all know I have a lot of sinus trouble. So I get a lot of drainage because of uh, allergies. Uh, particularly when the pulpit heats up. So when it gets hot, I get a lot of phlegm, you know what I'm saying? And so in light of that reality, that's what happens. So I wanted to let y'all know that I'm not walking around here with Rona, uh, but, um, but, but, but I have uh, a lot of allergy things that go on. First Samuel chapter 30, verses 1 through 9. Let's read. It says, David and his men arrived in Ziklag on the third day. The Amalekites had raided the Negev and attacked and buried, I'm sorry, and attacked and burned Ziklag. They also had kidnapped the woman, the women and everyone in it from youngest to oldest. They had killed no one but had carried them off as they went on their way. When David and the men arrived at the town, they found it burned. Their wise son's daughters had been kidnapped. David and the troops with him wept loudly until they had no strength left to weep. David's two wives, Ahinoam, the Jezreelite, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had also been kidnapped. David was in an extremely difficult position because the troops talked about stoning him for they were all very bitter over the loss of their sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord his God. David said to the priest Abiathar, son of Abimelech, Ahimelech rather, bring me the ephod or the ephod so Abiathar brought it to him and David asked the Lord, should I pursue the raiders or will I overtake them? 
The Lord replied to him, pursue them for you will certainly overtake them and rescue the people. Today, out of our series on God being undefeated, I'd like to talk to you uh, very briefly today out of the subject, fighting discouragement, how to fight discouragement. Let's go before God today, family. Lord God Almighty, maker of all things, you are the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and you break yokes and bondages and you set people free and you release your mighty power on lives to bring shalom and newness. God, in times of discouragement, which really transcends COVID-19, many of us find ourselves in discouraging seasons uh, outside of COVID-19. And for some, COVID-19 has been extremely discouraging. Uh, For others, it is uh, a cause extreme uh, introspection. And so God, uh, all of us who are dealing with and working through seasons of discouragement, will you give us the tools today on how to fight discouragement and how to live to your glory and, and how to think well and find peace in Jesus Christ. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody agree with that said? Amen, amen. What is discouragement? Um, that's, that's the question. Discouragement, discouragement, that, that is the question. What, what is discouragement? Well, Discouragement is a loss of confidence or enthusiasm. Uh, 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 It it could be uh, dispiritedness. In other words, the loss of spiritedness, if you will, where where, where you're not jovial and excited, but you're down. Emotional, one, one, one definition says emotional paralysis that change can happen. Emotional paralysis that change can happen. What, 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 what does that mean? In, in other words, discouragement is when your emotions are in a place where you can find encouragement that can help you to be able to move on in the midst of adversity. And sometimes for some of us, our discouragement doesn't just come from what we're going through. It can just come through the mental uh, things that we go through, the playground in our mind of what our expectations are, in life, what our expectations are of people, what our expectations are of God. Discouragement uh, uh, is, is, is a frustration. I like the way the psalmist said, why are you downcast, oh, my soul? In other words, in other words uh, 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 it can be situational, and it can be, and it can, and it can be just us being up in our heads, uh, uh, just thinking too much. Some of us think too much. And when I say think too much, I'm not saying don't think. One of the things that, that, that I'm saying is, is don't let your thinking, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but don't let your thinking create a reality that doesn't exist because a lot of us, that's where our discouragement comes from. So when you look at a passage like 1 Samuel, um, 1 Samuel is a book that is post the, 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 the book of Ruth, which is in the time of the book of Judges. In the book of Judges, it is known as the time in which a generation rose up that did not know the Lord. And in that generation rising up that did not know the Lord, what, what ended up happening is, 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 is during that time, there was a spiritual anarchy throughout every area of Israel. <clears throat> but then uh, comes along later uh, a praying woman who, who, who prayed for a son and, and she was able to get a son and his name was Samuel. And he was one of the judges, but he became more than just a judge. He became a prophet who would be the person who would be one of the prophets 
uh, a partial fulfilling of the prophecy based on Deuteronomy chapter 18, where God raised up a prophet like Moses that would be after his heart and would do things his way. Israel ended up asking for a king and they ended up getting what they asked for. <clears throat> they got a king, but they didn't get a godly king. And then later on, we see that God says, okay, you chose your king. I mean, I, I chose him, but, but, but this is what you were looking for. <clears throat> now you, let, let me show you what I'm looking for. And so in this passage, we see the culmination of a lot of things. We see the life of a young man named David. We're in his narrative of the book in God's redemptive story through the book of 1 Samuel of how God redeems his people. And God's going to put promises and he's going to, in 2 Samuel, he put promises on them, ministry on them, a mantle on them, but that's not without its share of challenges on your life. Whenever God has a calling, listen, on your life and there's a mantle of responsibility on your life, there are going to be things that come your way that, are, that the enemy is going to send, listen to me, that's going to cause you to be discouraged. And the enemy will try to discourage you, not because he's merely trying to discourage you, but he's trying to discourage God's destiny and God's purpose on your life that's connected to his glory. <coughs> God's glory is a huge reality in our life that whenever there's, every believer has a mantle. The issue is when you set yourself in the groove of the mantle that God has on your life, what begins to happen is, is the oil begins to flow and the light begins to shine. And when that happens, the, the enemy knows God's glory when he sees it. And because the enemy knows God's glory when he sees it, when he sees God's glory on you, there will always be things that will come your way because if the enemy can get your mind and get you in your feelings, help me today. If the enemy can get you in your feelings and get you feeling a way about life and get you feeling a way about God's word and get you feeling a way about, about God himself and the situations that you're in, then what will begin to happen is if he can get you feeling a way, then, uh, then, then what ends up happening is the glory quotient in its practical layers, listen, don't make its way into you sitting in the groove and the mantle that God wants you to sit in for his glory. And so his goal is to discourage that. The, 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 the challenge you and I have to face is we have to be knowledgeable of the fact. That's why you got to look at redemptive history. When I talk about redemptive history, it's about God invading time to change things, to put everything back into his created order. He's using you to do that. No matter where you are, man of God, no matter where you are, woman of God, he's using you to do that. Now, the question is, do you know and understand that the enemy is after God's glory through coming after you? The way the enemies after God's glory and the way he comes after you, he comes after you through coming, bringing situations your way, <clears throat> using the fallen world to his advantage. And as he uses the fallen world to his advantage, what he begins to do is he molests the environment that you're in in order to get you discouraged so that you're not motivated to the glory of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> so we're in a passage where David has been running from Saul. And we'll talk a little bit about that in a minute. Saul, God turned his back on Saul's anointing as a king <clears throat> because Saul pretty much stopped doing things God's way. He had an authentic mantle on his life to honor and live for God. <clears throat> but he wasted <clears throat> the opportunity because not of the enemy discouraging him, but him wanting to do things his way. 
God raises up David. Dope stuff here. And as God raises up David, God raises up David to be the antitype of Saul, which he would become an archetype of what it meant to follow the living God that ultimately pointed to Jesus Christ. So he's been running and he has a crew of people with him. And we'll talk about that in a second. But he comes into he he experiences a ton of discouragement. And one of the things that you'll see in the narrative of his journey is you will see how David manages discouragement. I got two points for you today in fighting discouragement. Number one, if you're going to fight discouragement, you have to know that your life is pregnant with promises, but plagued with problems. Hear me today. (laughs) Your life is pregnant with promises, but plagued with problems. Look at what the text says. It says in verse one, it says, David and his men arrived at Ziklag. What is Ziklag? Ziklag is, is Philistine territory. Now, this is crazy that you've got an Israelite king. Now, you've got to understand there's mad beef between Israel, right, and the Philistines or the Philistines, whatever, you, whether you're King James or you're a modern day Bible, you know, some people say Philistines, some people say Philistines, whatever, right? Tomato, tomato. <clears throat> but the, he's in Philistine uh, land and they gave him land. And they gave him a place in the land, but it's interesting. They only wanted to use him in the land in order to use his gifts. They didn't care about him. Oh my God. <laughs> and, and can't that be discouraging? Can't it be discouraging to have somebody that only gives you something and allows you to be around for what they can get from you, not what they can get that not trying to get you. But the, the, that's a side note. But, but David and his men arrived in Ziklag. This is where they had been living for a while where the Philistine king had given him some land there. One of the Philistine lords had given him land in here. And it said the Amalekites, one of the groups that they raided in an earlier chapter, raided, it said had raided the Negev, which is the southern country, and it says, and attacked and burned Ziklag. <clears throat> so, you, so you have to understand, w- w- with everything going on in David's life, David has, pro- uh, David has purpose on his life. David has promises on his life. David has a mantle on his life. But with promises comes problems. <laughs> Anytime there's a promise on your life, there's going to be problems. See, David has several promises of God on his life, but in this season, prior to the promises, while you're pregnant with the promises, God allows and even causes problems in your life that help nurtures you so that you, when you get in the place of promise, listen, you can steward the promise well. If you can steward the promise in the non-fulfillment time, in the time of problems, help me today, God. When you get to the place of promise or the different promised lands of your life, listen, God knows that he can, he, 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 he can trust you in the time of fruitfulness because you were able and willing to submit to him in the time of problems. And so David, in, in his days, they, 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 David felt, dealt with multiple problems. 
that what he dealt with in this passage with stuff getting burnt up and his city getting burnt up and his property getting burnt up. Um, <clears throat> David experienced other things prior to that. Ever since he got, it, listen to this. I, oh God, this ain't even in my notes. David's problems didn't start until God started giving him prob- promises. <laughs> listen, when David, when David got, got a, a, anointed by Samuel to be king is when his problems start. As soon as he got the oil poured on his head, he experienced a giant. As soon as he got a little bit of exaltation into the king's place, <clears throat> his leader started throwing spears at him and started getting mad at the fact that God was blessing him by him walking in his promises. And that leader he was under, Saul, didn't celebrate God's hand that was clearly on him, but took opportunity to destroy him. See, all of that stuff like that right there in your life is is God utilizing fools in your life. There are some fools in your life. help, Help me today, Jesus Christ. There are some fools that have been anointed in your life by God to be foolish, to, to, to see how foolish you'll get because of the craziness that's going on in your life to see if you'll be faithful to the living God. And what's interesting about this, though, is all of these seasons of prom- problems show you how to steward promises. Because there were several occasions where David had the opportunity to actually outsaw like twice, two, three times. <coughs> uh, 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 um, they didn't have, uh, you know, they didn't have porta parties back then. They were going to caves and use the bathroom. One time Saul went to the went to the cave and David was up in that joint, and instead of he could have gutted him, you know, Raquel gutted him, but he didn't gut him. He cut a piece of his robe just to kind of let him know. Like, if I wanted to get you, I could have got you. But he felt convicted about it because he said, I shouldn't have even did that, right? Because one of the things that will happen in your life is you can do things in spite of people and, and to spite people in the midst of your, because you, you know how you can do, I could have got you. Like, if I, like, like that, that's not how God necessarily wants us to roll in times of discouragement. He doesn't want us to show people that we could have did something to them, but we didn't do something to them. That's the Lord's doing. That's called letting the Lord fight the battle. And see, when God fights the battle and God shows people stuff, that, 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 that you didn't show them, it becomes more powerful because it's driven by God and not driven by your willingness to show people the spite of what you could have did to them and you didn't, and it just is between you and them. But when God does it, it's between them and God. And then God allows the impact to be on you as well. Disappointment and discouragement, <coughs> listen, comes when we believe that God is giving us results we didn't believe we sold. <laughs> See, right here in this passage, it says in verse two, it says, they also kidnapped the women and everyone in it from youngest to oldest. They had not killed no one, <clears throat> listen, but had carried them off as they went on their way. <clears throat> no one discouraged me, says sin. Now listen to them. They, they, they're just, they feel like they're just trying to do the will of the Lord. Now, now, have you ever felt like you were trying to do the will of the Lord? But, but, but the Lord allows problems to come your way that you don't feel like you sold. Like, like you, you, you know when you did something stupid and you're like, oh, I, I, know, I know why I'm reaping this junk. 
But there are times in your life where you were like, <coughs> where you were like, I actually wasn't tripping this time. I don't think. So why in the Lord would, why in the world would God allow that to happen? That's when disappointment sets in. Disappointment a lot of times sets in when you feel like you don't deserve what the Lord gave you. And so you and I have to realize, to be honest, let's break this down. God doesn't owe you nothing. That's number one. Number two, even when you think you've done good, you weren't perfectly good. So even in you thinking that you did perfectly good is a sin. Therefore, anything you get, you deserve, but you never get the fullness of what you really deserve. So you should be encouraged in the midst of something that's bad that happened to you, that as bad as it is, it ain't as bad as it could have been. Because God, listen, hell is the fullness of God giving us what we deserve. So if you got anything short of hell, be happy. Now I know that sounds crazy, but it's true. Let me just tell y'all, the road to promise many times is a journey, listen, of pain, disappointment, brokenness, being misunderstood. That's, that's one of the worst ones. Some of us rather be broken than misunderstood. <laughs> no, because misunderstood was you trying to say, do it the right way and people just don't, not getting it. And then, anyway, that's a whole nother story. I, can, I can spend the rest of my time on that. Feeling confused, having to fight. Oh, Lord. Being viewed as an adversary by people you tried to love and serve. Listen, David tried to love and serve Saul. But listen, you're going to see, you see in a minute how even the people closest to David viewed him as an adversary when he tried to love them. See, discouragement, that's, this is the type of stuff that discouragement comes from. And then discouragement can come when you get integrity tests. We'll talk about that in a second. An integrity test. Because he could have killed Saul. Now, now look, at, look at verse 3. It says, now remember in verse 2, they got carried off and kidnapped, but David and didn't, them didn't know <clears throat> when, their, when, their, when their wife and kids and family and daughters and all them got kidnapped, they didn't know what happened to them. So they didn't know how bad it was. But it says in verse 4, when they, verse 3, when they found the place burnt, their family gone, it says they wept loud until they had no strength. That's a cry. You, you know you cried when you cried. You, you, cry. you ever cry so hard that, that you, just, you didn't have no more tears and you just sat there and just took a nap? This is, this is nap crying. And you wake up and your eyes puffy and you got to put some cucumbers on it. That, that's this type of crying. See, some of you fellas don't know about that. See, you know, cucumbers is, anyway, bring your women help you with stuff like that. Anyway, they didn't know, but this is interesting. Now, this is interesting. They're weeping about what they think fully happened that may not have happened. Stay with me. Stay with me. This, this is very important because, because discouragement can come and set in when you come to a negative conclusion that might not be reality. See, listen to what the text says. The text says it got burnt down, that people got taken. The worst case scenario in their day was that the women, when they got taken off, they got raped, they got pillaged, the kids got killed. So in their mind, they've gone to the worst case scenario. Many times, many of us in our difficulty, we go to a scenario that doesn't exist instead of trusting God, that something that it's not as bad as it could have been, even though I'm frustrated with what happened. Because many of us 
always a glass half empty people. And, and, and we just have no, no gospel positivity in us. We got hell nev- negativity in us. You understand what I'm saying? And so, and so here, of, uh, but, but I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not downgrading them feeling bad because their family was kidnapped. But in their minds, they lost their families, point two. Point two. If you're going to fight discouragement, if you're going to fight discouragement, number two, listen to me and listen good. How you respond to discouragement determines your life trajectory. Hear me. How you respond to discouragement determines your life trajectory. (coughs) Much of our discouragement comes from poor management in crisis. (laughs) How you manage a crisis helps you how to manage discouragement. Watch what it says here. It says David was in in an extremely difficult position because the troops talked about stoning him. Now, y'all got to understand who these people are. Now, these troops, now, these people came to David. David didn't come to them. David didn't ask Naria, like my mama used to say, Naria wanted them to follow him. Over in, over in uh, 1 Samuel 22, it says, it says, in addition, every man who was dead, this is when David first got, like, like when he was getting really pushed out by Saul, right? It said, every man who was desperate and debt and discontented rallied around him and he became their leader. About 400 men were with him. <laughs> so this is what like David, like these people, first off, were desperate or one translation say distressed. Distressed means oppressed uh, physically, mentally, socially, emotionally, and spiritually, and economically. Just full of adversity, right? <clears throat> they were in debt. They owed somebody some money. And number three, they were discontented. It means bitter people. Discontent in the, in, in the Hebrew here means bitter people. Now, you have to understand, in this text, God has appointed a group of people in his life who are desperate for change, who are deeply in debt and can't pay their bills. And number three, they're discontented. In other words, they are bitter people. And so many times when people attach themselves to you relationally, you don't know what they're coming to you with. And they may upfront show their excitement of being attached to you, but people come with a lot on your destiny journey. You better hear me talking. And you have to beat discouragement to the punch to know that everybody around you pretty much is a mess. And at some point on your journey, you're gonna have to deal with their past in order to move forward together in the future to walk in the promises that's on your life and on their life. This is very important stuff here. And so, and so what ends up happening is look at what the people do. They get mad at David. This is a good test for David to see who he got around him. <coughs> Don't get discouraged when God exposes who's around you. <laughs> it says David was an extremely difficult position. Why? He was in a difficult position because the truth was talking about stoning him. So he must have heard it. Like if everybody was talking about stoning him, ain't nobody telling him he was going to get stoned. He must have caught word, I don't know, through the Holy Spirit, through a dream, or just heard somebody, right? <laughs> it says, for, ev- for they were all bitter 
See? Now, look, look at how in chapter uh, 22, it talks about discontented meaning bitter. But then this situation arises their bitterness out of them. This is so good. This is not in my notes. This is so good. <clears throat> some, I'm the type of person, there's, some, there, there's, there's a type of person that, that I don't like to be around, that discourages me. It's a bitter person. It's a person that's never gotten over anything. And they're constantly bringing up the ultimate hurt that happened in their life with no redemptive view and picture of it. And so what happens is, is we can't relationally move on, ministerially move on, lifestyle move on because they're stuck in that place. <clears throat> but what God does here is God gives David a gift to not be discouraged about. And some stuff that God does in our life is a gift for us not to be discouraged in. Because what does God do? He allows this situation to happen with the Amalekites to bring up the bitterness that David didn't know that was in them in order for God to deal with their bitterness so that they can maximize. Because who are these people? The people that attach themselves to David are later going to be his mighty men of valor. But in order for them <clears throat> to be mighty men of valor, God has to do some stuff in them to make them a shechayos, the Hebrew word is, a man of great value, a special ops warrior. So God brings out the, listen, God ain't just sanctifying you, he's sanctifying people around you because some people tell you, get rid of people that's dealing with bad stuff, get them, put them behind. No, some people are in your life for you to walk the sanctification, walk together so that you can experience discouragement together so that God can utilize that work in your life together as a crew to create experiences because guess what? Relationship is built and destiny is built through the team that God puts around you that you've had experiences of mutual deliverance with at the same time. And so, so, so you can, but some of you are called to lead. Now what happened in this? What, what happens with David? David could have got mad and prayed to God and got a prayer answered about his anger with him, Right? But that's not what David did. What did David do? It says, <laughs> and David found strength in the Lord his God. Listen, in discouragement, you better go find you some strength. We're going to find out how he found strength. But, but, but what you have to do, family of God, <coughs> is you got to go find strength now. The, the word for, the, uh, you know, I know that old King James said he, he, he encouraged himself in the Lord. <laughs> uh, and, and that's part of it. But, 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 the, but the term in the Hebrew here, the, 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 the Hebrew verbal stem is what's called reflexive. In other words, there was nobody around him to encourage him because everybody was against him. And he had to encourage himself. Some of you are in a place where your friends are failing you. Some of, you are, uh, some of you have dealt with some crisis where you needed some encouragement for somebody else because you spent your time encouraging everybody, investing in everybody. When they sick, you send them something. You know, you got the grocery pickup coming to their door. When you go through something, they give you nothing. <laughs> and, so, and, so, and so what you have to do is instead of getting angry and joining people in their bitterness, which comes from discouragement, that, and, and, and the belief that God won't change anything that leads to bitterness. Unrighteous anger is fermented. Uh, uh, bitterness is fermented. Unrighteous anger. Remember that, right? <laughs> David encouraged himself in the Lord. What did he do? 
David went, and we'll see that he sought the Lord. But let me say a few things practically here. Let me say a few things practically. Strengthening himself practically is what you say to your mind that wants to fall into despair and anxiety. Let me give you some practical things here. It is a decision, listen to me, not to let people's narration of the narrative control your emotional fortitude. Listen to me, family. Their narration of the narrative was wanting to kill them, kill David. David didn't let their narration control his emotional fortitude. Because if he let how people felt about him, if he let what people say to him on Facebook and Twitter and DM'd him and hurt his feelings about, control his emotional fortitude, he would go into despair, he'd be suicidal, he'd be gone crazy. But what did he do? He didn't allow that negative energy, if you want to call it that, or feelings, or them feeling away, get in the way of him in his place of encouragement, right? Because it's a decision of not letting the negativity from you even rule your thinking. Because some of us can be negative in our own thinking. It's remembering that when you seek the Lord, listen to me, it's remembering that when you seek the Lord, he tends to move. Watch. So what are some common mistakes that we make when we are discouraged? Because I'm not saying discouragement is a sin. That's not what I'm saying. My, my issue is not, uh, discouragement is normal. Dave, uh, uh, Paul was discouraged in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, and, 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 and Titus had to encourage him and counsel him through his difficulty. <clears throat> the question isn't, will discour- is it wrong to be discouraged? The question is, what do you do with it? So, mistakes we make in discouragement, many of us, we talk to the wrong people. Number two, we self-medicate. Others of us, we isolate ourselves. Some of us, we just become negative, just negative. Others, we resist the Lord or all the above, right? (laughs) We become apathetic, act like we don't feel anything. We wallow in our discouragement. We want to stay there when God is trying to pull you up out of it. We place the burden of your discouragement on other people. (laughs) In other words, the only way I can come out of this is if this person pulls me out of it versus God pulling you out of it. Looking for a savior, in other words, who isn't Jesus. Now, things you should do or or you should say to yourself, because David encouraged himself, what should you say to yourself when you're discouraged? Number one, God is in control. Now, I know that sounds cliche, but when you remember that God is in control, it shifts and changes things. Because when you recognize and realize that God is in control, and you let that sink in, it changes your disposition towards discouragement because you know that that's not a place that God wants you to remain in and that he wants to meet you there. Not only that, (coughs) you got to remember that God hasn't forgotten you, Exodus 3. God hasn't forgotten you. Uh, 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 I'm going to come back to that one because that's good. Um, I need to be, in other words, I need to be very careful discerning what I emotionally eat. You need to be careful what you emotionally eat during this season. What lies about God, another one is, am I tempted to believe when I'm discouraged? What are my patterns in discouragement? You got to recognize God sees me and God hears me is another one. God has not left me 
And lastly, next to last, God is shaving off what's not needed for my purpose, John 15. But let me say this. Let me say this and move on, and I'm about to close. When you're discouraged, always remember that slow doesn't mean no. When it comes to your relationship with God, (laughs) slow doesn't mean no. When God has a promise on your life, remember, slow doesn't mean no. So what did David do? He went to... He went to his means of seeking God in that place where he could, and that's going to Abiathar and getting the ephod and the priestly ephod and seeking the Lord his God. That was kind of like a, a, a relic of a mediator, if you will. It wasn't a talisman. So this is, what is God doing in this passage? He's contrasting two people. He's, this is a narrative passage. Remember, we've been doing double Bible study methods. What comes before and what comes after influences what you're in. So what is what's happening here? He's 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 contrasting Saul in crisis and David in crisis. See Saul in Saul in crisis, he crumbles under crisis. If you have the spirit of Saul. The spirit of Saul rebels in crisis. 1 Samuel 15:23. Saul was impatient in crisis. Saul was unrepentant in crisis. Saul tried uh, 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 he did things in crisis that, 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 were, that, that were not right, like seeking a medium in crisis. And he walked in false assurance. But what did David do in crisis? He committed himself in crisis. He sought the Lord in crisis. He responded to the answer that the Lord gave. Because when, the, when he got the answer from the Lord to go do it, he went and did it. And he walked in divine assurance. Who does this remind us of ultimately? It reminds us Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ dealt with discouragement and grief all through his life. Matter of fact, it was prophesied that Jesus would experience grief. It says in Isaiah 53, you know, we esteemed him smitten of God and afflicted. He was a man acquainted with grief. So, 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 So disappointment was a part of Jesus's ministry. But Hebrews said he was perfected through the things that he suffered. Are you being perfected through your discouragement? Are you? Your discouragement is a time to take the opportunity to say, God, in me feeling away and in me being discouraged and frustrated in what I'm in, what are you teaching me and doing me that I can put on, uh, put on my tool belt to use as a regular item in what it means to press through, because, because most of the time in discouragement, you don't feel like hearing from God sometimes because you just want him to change whatever's causing you to emotionally respond negatively to it. <clears throat> but one of the things that Jesus did is he got on his cross and God raised him from the grave. That's the beauty of the gospel. The gospel deals with our discouragements. That's, that's, that's why I love God is God. There's not a discouragement that I could ever remember this, this is the issue. God didn't necessarily give me what I wanted in order to stop me from being discouraged. See, that's the difference. It's not that he gave me what, we, what he wanted. He changed, changed my disposition on why I was discouraged in order me to see things from a divine perspective. What is God in this crisis trying to get you to see from a divine perspective? What is he trying to change in your life? Who is he trying to address? What issue, what pattern in your life He's trying to just, because some of us are brats spiritually. You know we are. You know you are. You know what? I'm talking to you. You're right there. Yeah. Sitting right there, right on the couch. You. You may be a spiritual brat just like me. 
but you need a loving and heavenly father to encourage you and strengthen you so that you can learn how to manage times of discouragement. Jesus, listen, Jesus was abandoned. Jesus felt discouraged, but Jesus honored God through his discouragement. I pray today that you would learn how to do the same because of the might of Christ that's in you. Maybe you're here under the sound of my voice and you've never met met Jesus Christ as your savior and you are discouraged because you don't have a connection or you don't know you should be. You should be discouraged if you don't have a connection to God through Jesus Christ. If you don't don't know Jesus Christ as your savior, you, you need to know that he died on the cross for your sins, for who you aren't, He died on the cross for your encouragement, for your discouragement so that you could be encouraged because it's all found in him. And he'll take you from spiritual discouragement to spiritual encouragement. If that's you today and you want to be in placed in Christ, put your confidence in him by faith today that God sent him, put him on the cross for a sacrifice. He died, raised from the grave, you brand spanking new. If that's you, um, our harvester team, our, our, our evangelism team would love to chop it up with you and talk to you more about that. They'll put a link in there. Also, the link for giving is there for our believers, all of those who are in Jesus Christ. Father, I pray for those who are dealing with discouragement that you would use this as a way to encourage them to deal with and rise out of their discouragement. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody agree with that said? Amen. Much love to your family of God. Love you. Take care. And God, by God's grace, I hope to see you soon. Stay safe. Hello, this is Dr. Eric Mason, founder and pastor of Epiphany Fellowship. Thank you for tuning in today. Hopefully the word of God was a blessing to you. Also, if you want to help us build the kingdom from Philly and beyond, particularly in inner cities, partner with us today. And if you don't know Jesus as Savior, based on his death, burial, and resurrection, place your confidence in him and go from spiritual death to spiritual life. Tune in next time so we can see you go from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. God bless you. Take care. We love you. We love you.